Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome in, everybody, to the OBR. This is your Tuesday edition, and welcome into what is a little hybrid between wide receiver and and offensive line week, which means we're going to talk about tight ends here uh, whenever we can. I'm going to have something up for your viewing pleasure on Austin Hooper if you are a VIP subscriber to the OBR, and that's what we are going to talk about today is everything around the Hooper signing, where he's at right now, the decision looming. Uh, And before we get there, I'm going to talk to my guest, Mr. Stephen Thomas at Brown's Mock Draft. What's up, Steve? How are you? I am good. Uh, just a warning to you and the listeners. I'm much better than the last time I was on your pod, but I'm still battling the lingering stuff of my cough in my throat here. So I will be sucking on a cough drop. I apologize for those sounds being in your ear, uh, but it's well, good to be back. Well, you know, you, you can only get so much, you know, audio quality here. Folks. Well, That's listen, as, as my wife would tell you, of the sounds that could emanate from me, this is by far one of the best. So you, yeah, you, you feel lucky. So Top yeah. five. I'm with mm-hmm. that. So let's let's talk about the Super Bowl real quick. I just want to throw it to you, what you thought of it, what you thought of the commercials, what you thought of the <clears> halftime <throat> show, just uh, the stage is yours, what you thought of the game, all of it. Well, it was, it was a fun game, right? I mean, it came right down to the end. I didn't think it was a particularly great game. Um, it was a close game and, and mm-hmm. it was fun, but I didn't think it was, it wasn't really all that standout in, in any given way. I thought, um, I thought the Rams were the better team. Uh, and so they won, but I also, you know, there were people saying when it was 13 to three, okay, okay. They're going to run them out of the building. And I was like, okay, didn't we do this two weeks ago with the chiefs? Didn't we do yeah. this before? I mean, how many times have we said this? And the, no, the Bengals are not going away. You know, when you got a guy like, with ice in his veins, like Joe Burrow, you're all, almost always going to be in the game. So personally, uh, and I know other people feel differently and I'm not getting into it, but uh, I can't root for a division rival. So I'm glad the Rams won. Um, but uh, uh, long-term stepping back and look at it as a Browns fan. I know you agree with me. If yeah. they do the smart thing this off season and attack that offensive line with the vengeance that they should, man, the Bengals are going to be so freaking annoying for a decade um and, and i'm not looking forward to that but you know let, let's take care of our in-house stuff first and, and and let them do what they do yeah the the game i thought was pretty similar to that uh the the first ram super bowl a couple of years ago with with new england where it was like yeah this game's close and that part of it's cool but it's not a well-played or fun game to watch no. right uh-huh. like pretty similar to that so uh, yeah, I thought I thought going into the game, I didn't know how I'd feel about who won. But when the Bengals lost, I felt myself kind of happy. I, I didn't expect that, mm-hmm. but I just was kind of like, I'm glad they're not getting to enjoy a Super Bowl. And that's maybe weird or whatever. I don't know. Nope. I, it doesn't mean I was rooting against them actively, but I just kind of wanted to I see was. how I felt after. Yeah, which is cool. <laughs> totally. You guys can anybody can do whatever they want on this thing. I think there's people that spend way too much time telling other people how to fan. Uh, like, I just didn't know how I was going to feel one way or the other. And I was just kind of like, OK, I'm kind of OK with those guys not winning the Super Bowl. So uh, good game. Halftime show. I thought was really good, Steve. That was really good. Loved it. Loved it. But that also is the stuff that I used to listen to growing up. So, you know, that's uh, I know this this it's called rap music. Have you ever heard of it? So it's like. I don't know. I don't know if this is Pat. It could, you could be too old for this. I, I need How to make old sure do you're... you think I am? You know? <laughs> Listen, I grew up with Run DMC. All right, so I'm familiar with rap music. You know, and, and I have okay. nothing Good. against any of the guys who I. If that's your kind of music, that's great. You know, but for me, it's just 
I have, and it had nothing to do with them in particular. I am just not a fan of halftime shows. I never have been. They yeah. bore me. Uh, so for 20 whatever years, I, when it comes halftime of the Super Bowl, I watch Cheers. I watch two episodes of Cheers and then I come back. So I, I can't comment on it. I didn't see it. I, apparently it was really good and I'm glad people enjoyed it, but just not my thing. You know, at the home, we, we were in arts, the arts and crafts room eating jello. So, you know, it, mm. it really wasn't my thing. Yeah, I didn't know where that fit into your schedule if you would uh, get extended hours of, of uh, you know. Uh, we just got back from the Golden Corral early bird for the start that's, of the that's game. That's what I so. thought. That's what yeah. I thought. So mm-hmm. landscaping duty. I didn't know if that got extended. Um, uh-huh. Anyway, let's uh, – let arts and crafts just got extended, I mean. Um, anyway, let's let's do uh, let's do the, this tight end situation with Austin. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I think people – I think if we all went back in time and looked at the at, at how we felt about it that day, everybody thought it was a home run pick uh, signing. Sorry, thought it was a home run signing. Uh, liked the way the contract was structured. I still, I still look at it again, and we just talked about this on the Twitch show. Of what's your reasoning for signing a guy, right? Like if you're going to do it, what does it tell us about your feelings about something? A reminder of why they felt the need to go draft, or sorry, sign. I can't got draft on my mind because you're here why they felt the need to go sign Austin Hooper. David Njoku was coming off a season in 2019 where he had just, I think it was his wrist he broke, Steve, in that Jets game. Broke the wrist, came back late in the year, didn't really see much time. They were not very good at tight end throughout the season. They had people that they were supplementing, I believe, at the time Ricky Seals-Jones was here. Uh, help me if I'm wrong. There was somebody else, I think, that got some serious time. But they were they were supplementing a little at that position. And they mm-hmm. needed to raise the basement of a position group that, at the bare minimum, had to be playable with two people. They liked David. They still do. We'll see what decision that, that to, to, is to be made there. We'll deal with David later this week. But for Austin, the decision to sign him was he was the best free agent on the market. He was a player that was going to immediately raise the basement of your tight end room. Now I think we have had a harsh reality with Austin in terms of what his athletic upside is when you pull him away from guys outside that are, that are genuine coverage drawing weapons, right? We've learned something there, but I, I still have absolutely like people will call it the worst mistake sign. I don't, I don't view it that way. I view it as understanding the means by which they needed to get a player there ahead of the draft ahead of those decisions that raise the basement of the room to be at least a professional, a blocker, a guy who can catch the football when given schematic opportunities. That's why they signed him. They did have to overpay because the market was, he was the top of the market, man. It was not a good free agent. Not that there are many free agent tight end groups that are very good because usually you get those players, you never let them leave, but that's what they did. And I still, to this day, have no problem with it. Where are you at on all of that? uh, I just talked about. Well, and you also have to throw in, you got to put yourself in the mindset of the moment back then. It's kind of similar to the reason they paid more than they really needed to for Case Keenum at the quarterback position, because at that time, not only was Najoku coming off a wrist, he wasn't, you know, hadn't really reached any kind of his potential, not even close to what he is now as a blocker. And at that moment, if we all remember, his agent and him were making all that noise about, I got to get out of here. I Trade demand, blah, 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 blah. They were bringing in Kevin Stefanski. We know what his offense is like. They really had no choice. They had to go out and get somebody because they didn't know about David. They didn't know about anybody behind. They didn't even have Harrison Bryant at that time. So did they overpay a little bit? Yeah, probably, like you said. But at the time, was it the right move? 100%. You know, I like to say as far as the draft, and it's the same thing for free agency, you can't play results-based poker. 
Okay. If you lose the pot, but you were a 90% favorite when the money went in, did you make a bad decision just because you lost the pot? No, you get your money in there 90% every time. I'm not saying that Austin Hooper was a 90% pot. What my point is at the time, in the moment, they had the money, they had oodles of cap room. Like you said, he was clearly one of the best free agents on the market at that time. And, you know, frankly, the first year was fine. This last year, there was a drop-off, obviously. this but The first year, he was fine. It was totally okay. And now, they're in a, assuming they find a way to bring Njoku back, which I think we both think they're going to, they're in a much, much different position. So because your circumstances have changed, the way you view a player, your roster, your contract, it obviously evolves. People that never evolve their position on a guy over three, four, five years are not looking at it correct. So you look at, has he done what we all thought he could be? Maybe we overestimated a little. A guy coming from an offense down there in a dome, like you said, with threatening weapons on the outside. Maybe we all thought he was going to be a lot more than he was. Now, this last year was unacceptable. I'm sure to him as well. It was just unacceptable overall. And moving forward, they could get out of this contract, which is another piece that we need to talk about. But when yeah. you talk about moving forward here, it's not just well, we don't like them anymore. Let's get anybody up. That's not how it works in the NFL. But when you step back and you look at, like we said, the cap room, the draft class, the other options that are currently in the tight end room, and there are some decent tight end free agents out there, assuming that they hit the market, they could go spend that money elsewhere if they decide they don't want David Njoku. But you know, now they're in a much different position because you look, people say, oh, you can't get out of it. No, if they make him a post uh, June first release or trade, it's nine and a half million in cap savings this year. Okay, so that's not significant. There's dead cap, and there's seven and a half million of dead cap next year if they do that. But nine and a half million, when you're talking about all the free agents that they want to uh, sign or potentially sign anyway, that's not an insignificant uh, uh, piece of money. And now next year, if they pushed it off, you're still going to save nine and a half million. It's exactly the same. The only difference is you push almost 4 million of dead cap into 2024. So doing it next year instead of this year, really, I mean, yes, technically it's a little bit better, but is it really enough? Is 4 million in 2024 enough to make you to not do that? If they, if they decide they want to get out from Austin Hooper, they're going to get out from Austin, under Austin Hooper as a post June 1st release this year. And they'll probably, even if they don't, they're probably going to target somebody in this draft class because it's yeah. a very, Deep draft class, and as we all know, you know better than I do, Jake, tight end, one of, if not the slowest developing position in the league. So get a guy in now while you have Bryant and Njoku. Let him learn for a couple of years before you count on him for anything. So you ask me right now to put my personal money down on, I like Austin Hooper. He's probably going to go somewhere else and have another couple of nice years because that's the way these things work, but it's time. And I think he'll be gone as a post-June 1st uh, designation. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, that's the question I was going to fire at you is what what move you make because you make a you make a stellar point about is is really no difference and if you keep him the following year. Yeah, I mean, like if you 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 reduce the amount of time he's not on your roster and taking some dead cap from you, right? But it doesn't change. It doesn't mm-hmm. change that he's going to eat that money the following year anyway. So you have to evaluate whether the savings are going to be worth it for you, right? Like are the savings going to be worth it? Are you getting a better player because you know not only are you taking uh, a better uh, Austin Hooper who's underperformed off the roster, six drops, which were second among all tight ends, which is a problem in and of itself when you don't have a guy who's a great separator. I believe he only had three completions that were downfield of 14 yards or more. The number of times, if you read the article today, that he created yards after catch were really bad, just really bad. His average distance of target, not very good among the tight end group. His uh, ability, like I said, to take anything that was not schemed and what by I mean by schemed is tight end screens, which the Browns are excellent at. And those those boot plays where he is sneaking out to the flat. If you make him beat one on one coverage or you make him, um, you know, get down the field on play action and run an over route and separate, you're not going to like the result. They, They threw a ton to Hooper on empty sets where they were throwing stick routes. He was a nice player in those positions, but I'm telling you, it's alarmingly bad. I believe he only had 375 reception yards. The amount of times that he ca- he would catch the football and immediately be on the ground, not make anybody miss. He is a very catch and, and at that depth player. So you have to ask yourself, can we find somebody else who can do the things he does at a cheaper price point? I don't think it's even remotely impossible. Okay. He was a decent blocker struggled in the past game compared to his peers at the position mm-hmm, and was mm-hmm. decent to solid as a run blocker, not as good as you would hope he would be given the amount of money he is making. So much like your opinion is uh, a post June 1st designation and moving on and keeping David and Joku. I am far further along that side of things than I am. I could, would I be mad if they kept Austin Hooper? No, I think you could figure out a way to try to use him. But the thing that's the biggest thing for me, Steve, is taking those targets that are going to a player who is not explosive, not a playmaker down the field and passing those on, whether lighter personnel sets or giving those targets to David, you got to do that because you just need, I think the thing that we're spending all of our time here, Steve, outside of talking about the quarterback decision that's coming or whatever that is going to be is, how do they create big plays? And I'm just telling you that creating big plays is not happening through Austin Hooper. So how can you take those targets, the the whatever target, number 50 targets or whatever, and give them to better, more explosive athletes? I really think you just have to do that. So 
I'm with yeah, you. And, there, and there's two of them in that room. Then that David and we have, we haven't mentioned Harrison Bryant. Yeah. He was open on those. Uh, I, I can't think of the name of the route, but like you know, it, it's like uh, the deep um, post. Uh, you know, uh, heading towards the I'm not post uh, a flag. We used to call it a flag when I was growing yeah. up and during the Brontosaurus age. Yep. He was open quite a bit in that 15 to 20 yard range. Those are not easy routes for a tight end to to run or get open. This kid, I think, is set up to take quite a leap this year. And as, as we've talked he, about over the years with yeah. other positions, the other thing we have to take into account, and I don't think this is why they signed him. I think they signed him for all the reasons we enumerated before. But a large part of that too was when they brought him in, Harrison Bryant, they didn't even have him, but you know they knew yeah. they were going to draft one. He's a rookie. David Njoku, still very young. Veteran mentor, a guy who had been to Pro Bowls, a guy who knew how to play in the NFL at a high level, taking those two young athletic talents and teaching them how to be a player from Tuesday to Saturday, not only on Sunday. That's a huge thing, especially when you have an overall roster as as young as this one is. So I think you're absolutely right when you take those 50 targets and you give them, even if you're given you know, 30 of those to running backs on swing routes, uh, you have a better chance of, like you said, turning them into explosive plays, which is the way that the NFL is going. And then, of course, the final piece, which I always like to bring in, is this draft class all the way through day three, like literally to the end of day three, potentially even priority UDFA has super interesting guys at the tight end position who in an offense like this could come in and be just terrific weapons. So it's a roster spot thing too. And when you have a class like this, I think you dip your toes into it because you want to get a position before it becomes a quote unquote need. And regardless of the specific players and everything else, you can, I don't think there's any arguing with what Andrew Barry has done, but some people choose to, you cannot argue that he has been very good at that. They have gotten ahead of the curve on virtually everything where there was an option. Sometimes there's no players and there's just nothing you can do, but if there's an option, they have been way ahead of the curve and grabbing guys before that there is a need. And I think they're going to continue that this year. Let me ask you this. If you remove Hooper from the equation, do you believe Harrison Bryant can fill the absolute exact same production profile role that Austin Hooper had? I think he can provide more potential explosion. Okay. Uh, I think, I think he can even be better. Yeah. So while I think they're pretty similar athletes, I think you're right about some plays that he can make down the field as a younger body. I think that I 100% feel like Harrison Bryant can step in and be a very similar identical ish player that still I would not like to prioritize as a, as a high target number player, but nonetheless can be the exact same player on a rookie contract. So to me, that tells me I need to move on and I need to look at the draft. Give me five names that stick out early in the process for you. You and I are going to get way deeper in this as we go. And a reminder to folks that tomorrow night, well, this is we're recording on Monday. This is, you're listening to this on Tuesday. Tonight, we will have our dueling mock drafts. Me, Steve, and our, our, our Locked on Browns compadre, Jeff Lloyd, will be joining us. So check that out. But give us five good tight end names people can look into if you're interested in who they could go with there. Well, unfortunately, the big names, and they're really, really good, and boy, would they look great in brown and orange. Isaiah Likely, Trey McBride, even you know uh, Jalen Weidermeyer at, at, uh, at Texas A&M, and probably, I think, even Jeremy Ruckert at Ohio State. I, I, well, they're great. I think they're going to be drafted before it realistically makes sense for the Browns to be targeting tight end. As we sit here today, there could be roster changes that throw everything yeah. – 
on its head. But as we sit here today, I don't think those guys are realistic. So you're looking at late day two and day three guys. You're looking at uh, uh, Cole Turner from Nevada. James Mitchell from Virginia Tech blew out his ACL the second week of the season. So his timeline to return is more than adequate. If he gets back healthy, boy, that guy, I I would absolutely love uh, to have him there. Uh, As far as other guys who fit the age guard rail, uh, Daniel Bellinger uh, from uh, San Diego State is another one. He's a guy that's flying under a lot of radars, but uh, Dane turned me on to him way back at the beginning of the year. And boy, there is just a lot to like uh, about him. As far as the, the rest of the guys, Greg Dulcich, you know, I've had a man crush on him since the yeah. preseason. I found yeah. out he's outside the age guardrail. So Bummer. we've been talking about how this year might, and that's a big word, might, they might bend it just because he's not far. It's like a month or two that he's outside the age guardrail. And then this COVID draft class, would they bend it? I don't know. I can't say. But if they are, he would be a guy uh, that I would like to uh, uh, to have my eyes on. But uh, if you ask me a guy, he, he's mocked 75 to 100 quite a bit right now, which I think is the earliest realistic spot for them to get a tight end. If they could get Jeremy Ruckert out of Ohio State onto this roster, I think he could be an absolute stud because he was stuck with, you know, the, the myriad of, of, of nuclear warheads that Ohio state has at wide receiver. Why would you throw the ball to the tight end? I mean, you know, it's not his fault, right? But you know, I think when he made the most of his opportunities and he's, he's our mauler of a blocker, which is great for a guy coming out of college at this position. Usually they're much better at the wide, at the receiving part because that's the glamor stuff that gets the girls. Ruckert does the dirty work. But I think when he was throwing the ball, I think he was more than adequate. And I think he's going to be an absolute stud uh, at the NFL level. And so if they get him at, you know, 78 or the quasi pick, which currently people think is going to be like 98 to a hundred ish, I think that would be spectacular right there. And as a weird sort of reference, I want to see where you're at in the future here. If they end up maybe keeping David on a, on a, on a franchise tag or getting crazy, letting hoop go or keeping hoop another year and turning it over. You know how we talk about how they try to turn over a position almost every year. It seems like Mm -hmm. you just focus at it. There's a certain somebody in the 2023 draft class. Who is it? Who do you think? Oh, you're, you're blindsiding me here. I have, I think about, <laughs> I think about your favorite college football team, my friend. Oh, oh yeah. Um, um, uh, oh gosh. Yes. Mr. Michael Mayer. Michael, Michael Mayer. Mayer. Oh God. Yes. If they put this position off another <laughs> year, if they did, and you oh, God, wanted yes. some consolation about now, I know the first round tight end uh, data stuff is is uh, is is murky, but Kyle Pitts. I don't care. I don't care. That dude is a freaking animal. I would do if they put it off and they just needed to really improve tight end in 2023's draft. I just kind of have always kept my eye on Michael Mayer. Love that dude. Yeah, uh, watch him Especially at Notre if Dame. If they're this in year. the 20s, if they if they if they you know uh, figure out the quarterback position, whatever that happens to be, the rest of the roster takes another step and they're picking in the mid to late 20s, like we or you know 30s, hopefully, like we all think yeah. they're going to be. Yeah, you can talk to me all you want about first round tight end data, and I'm not arguing with the data. But if you're picking 28th, 27th, 29th, something in that range, and Michael Meyer is sitting in front of you, and like you said, they you don't know if David's coming back, you don't know this, that, and the other. In a heartbeat, I sprint the card up. I sprint Dude's the card a stud. up. Dude's a yeah. stud. Watch him this year, Steve. Thanks for your time, buddy. We appreciate it. Always, my friend. Guys, thanks for checking out today's show. A reminder, please join us on the OBR Twitch, which we had a blast on the Monday night show talking free agency. Go back and watch that show. Great guests, Abby Mueller, Mac Robinson. Check that out. 
This dueling mock draft format's really fun. You can come in and talk about a wide variety of prospects with us. Check out the drafts, which mine will be best as it always is. Check that out. Hang out with us. Eh, we'll see, Steve. Hang out with us. Have fun. We appreciate your guys' time tonight. Uh, sorry, today listening to the show, wherever you might be listening to it. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fantastic Tuesday and go Browns. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.